Hello to all of you and happy Sabbath. And I am blessed to be here again. And as you look at these baby pictures about Jesus' birth, each one of them is a story in itself. And at this Christmas season, we pay special attention to the birth of Jesus. And we are blessed by his birth. In fact, without it, we wouldn't have eternal life. So the title of my sermon today is Five Baby Announcements. What I want you to get from this is that God actually announced the birth of five babies and gave them a name. And so these baby announcements that we're going to look at from Scripture, each one has a story to tell, and each one is a story in itself. And what I want you to try and put together in your mind is how do these baby announcements affect your life today? They do, whether you realize it or not. These five baby announcements tell us a lot about God and his interest in our planet. So, as we look at these baby announcements... What is significant is that each one of these babies, their birth and their life affected the course of history on this planet. And, and I want you to think about yourself. Even though the God of the universe maybe did not announce your birth, the question for me to look at for myself is how do these baby announcements affect my life? There is no accident as far as our birth. Even though some of us may have been a surprise to our parents, our birth and our arrival on this planet is not an accident and not a surprise to God. The other thing that I want to help you think about, even though it's not in this slide, is how do these birthdays and these announcements affect your identity? To think that God, the God of the universe, made these baby announcements. I want you to look at our system of planets here. And it may be hard to see from where you're at because it's so tiny. You can see this little dot that is planet Earth. You can see the bigger planets in our system, Jupiter and Saturn. But isn't it amazing that on this tiny little piece of property called planet Earth, the God that created this universe the vastness of it would go to great efforts to send baby announcements to this planet. 
And this system is, is a fraction of the head of a needle or the point of a needle when you think of the vastness of God's greater universe. Not only did he send baby announcements, this is so mind-boggling to me that right now today where we have almost 7 billion people on planet Earth, this God that sent these baby announcements also knows how many hairs are on Al Williams' head and how many are on yours. And I don't have a clue how many. I just know I get less all the time. <laughs> the God of the universe is in love with you and I. He loves this planet and he pays attention to it. Now, as we look at all of this, I want you to think of this Bible verse and understand how important this verse is as you're going to see in a moment, to your life. I already said that, that it's possible that not every child that is born on planet Earth did parents expect. Some childs, some children are surprises. But no child is a surprise to God. So when I look at this verse that says that God knows every tiny part of our DNA. He knows how we're put together. He knows about you and I, even though we don't fully appreciate the significance of this verse. So now, as I am about ready to share with you these five baby announcements, and you have a handout, for fill in the blank. Well, we're not ready for the fill in the blank yet. The first baby announcement deals with Abraham. And before looking at those announcements and the announcements that God gave concerning two of Abraham's children, I think it's important for you to consider the chronology of Abraham. And we lay that aside beside these five baby announcements to help us comprehend the significance of God announcing the birth of Abraham's two sons. So, this passage, God knows about how we're put together. Now, this chronology of Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when God called Abraham to leave Ur the Chaldees and go to Palestine. So eventually, Abraham makes it to the area around Jerusalem. And there, in Palestine, a famine comes. And Abraham gets scared and fearful. How will I live with this famine? And so what does he do? He doesn't ask God for guidance. He heads off to Egypt. And in Egypt, what does he do? He tells the Pharaoh 
that Sarah is his sister. Yes, that's sort of true, but Sarah is his wife. When the Pharaoh of Egypt finds out that Abraham has lied to him, the Pharaoh of Egypt pays Abraham, pays Abraham, get out of here, get out of here, I don't want you in my country. And he gives to Abraham a slave girl named Hagar. Some of Abraham's great wealth is a result of going to Egypt and that Pharaoh paying him to leave. So he goes back home. And what happens, Abraham chooses Eliezer as his heir. God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would be the parents of great nations. So Abraham, his mindset is, I've got to help God out a little bit. What I want you to hear as I share this chronology with you, and we lay it aside next to these five baby announcements, Abraham is not. Abraham is not a man of great faith. Even though he's listed in the Hall of Fame faith chapter in Hebrews 11, it is not until Abraham is 120 years old does he finally believe God's promises. So as I share this chronology of Abraham with you and lay it over here, as opposed to these five baby announcements, I want you to see that Abraham is much like you and I, that even though he knows the promises of God, he doesn't believe them. And I want to say to all of us, myself included, we can read the promises and the announcements of God we at this time of the year stress the birth of Jesus. We know that. But how do we let it affect our lives? So what happens next? Abraham takes this slave girl and makes her his second wife. And it wasn't because Abraham needed another wife. No, 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 no. Abraham is trying to help God fulfill the promises that God made to him. So what happens now when Abraham is 86, Ishmael is born. And God says, Abraham, Eliezer's not your heir, is not the son of the promise, and neither is Ishmael. Oh, but I'm trying to help you, Lord. If you'll allow me. I'll help you fulfill the baby announcements. Abraham, I want you to pay attention to me. So we come to chapter 17 in Genesis. And what happens there? God begins to talk to Abraham and said, Abraham, I wish you would believe me and trust me, but Abraham doubts God. Now, 
Genesis 18 is next. Before I put stuff here on the screen, I would love to spend an hour just talking about Genesis 18. The Lord God, the creator of the universe, comes to visit Abraham and Sarah in their tent. And and Abraham and Sarah fix a meal for him. And there, at that occasion, the Lord God says, Abraham, you're going to have a child. See this year, or this year? (laughs) Sarah is eavesdropping on this conversation. And when God, the Lord God says, Abraham, you're going to have a son, Jackie already read this to us for our scripture reading, Sarah laughs. And then God says, well, why did Sarah laugh? And she says, I didn't laugh. She lies about it. The point of that is, This couple does not believe in God's baby announcements or his promises. It's impossible that Adam and Eve would believe in the promises and obey God on down through the generations. It's impossible that Abraham and Sarah are going to believe the promises and the announcements that God gives. The challenge for myself and for you. Will you believe God's announcements and pay attention to them? So, Genesis 18. That visit, Sarah laughs about it. Then we come on down to the next chapters. Abraham panics again over a situation that involved Lot and Sodom. He gets scared and he heads south. And what does he do? For the second time, he lies about his wife. For the second time, he passes her off as his sister. Let me drill this in your head. Abraham does not believe literally, in the announcements and the promises of God. The struggle that you and I have, here we celebrate Christmas, we believe, there's no question in our minds about the birth of Jesus. Yeah, we believe that, we sing about it, we even put programs on in our church, you can go to the mall and you can hear about this. We saw the children's program The birth of Jesus, we we buy that. We believe in it. Abraham and the majority of Christians today do not really believe in God's announcements or his promises. So finally, Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac is born. But Abraham still has little faith. It is not until he is 120 years old that he is willing to do what God says. Abraham, take your son and sacrifice him. These five baby announcements we're going to look at 
all of us can sit here and say, well, they happen. The challenge is, are we individually going to believe the promises of God and the announcements he gives to us that are yet in the future? The course of history is that God's people have not believed the announcements or the promises of God. So, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be more in number than the stars of heaven. And here in this promise that is given in chapter 22, the promise is that his descendants would be as numerous as the sands of the sea. So we get to baby announcement number one. The announcement about Ishmael. What is that about? So let's think about it. Here is what God says. An angel of the Lord came to Hagar. This lady, who was an Egyptian lady, as part of payment from the Pharaoh to Abraham to get out of Egypt, now becomes Abraham's wife. And the God says, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The promise to Abraham was that his descendants would be greater than the stars that we see at night or the sands of the sea. And that promise is still going on today with the descendants of Ishmael. Even though it was not God's ideal purpose that Abraham would take Hagar and Ishmael was not the son of the promise. So what happens? I want you to notice this verse. And it's so important relative to baby announcements. This is your first fill in the blank. So get a hold of your piece of paper and fill it in. This is Ishmael's birth. The angel of the Lord said to Hagar, what did he say? This angel, you are now pregnant. I want you to know the, the statements in this baby announcement. Hagar, wife of Abram, your tummy's getting bigger. Okay. And you will give birth to a son. Second, fill in the blank. Third, and you will name this son Ishmael. The fourth thing, very important. The Lord has heard your misery. Now, as you look at this picture, you see this artist's drawing of Abraham there and Hagar and Ishmael. And then in the background, you see Sarah and you see Isaac. This, this 
baby announcement that says, Hagar, I know about your misery is so significant because the crisis in Abraham's family is a crisis beyond what you and I can comprehend that these two women, Hagar and Sarah, are at war with each other. Hagar is very jealous of things, but Sarah is very jealous. And then these two boys grow up in this very dysfunctional family system. And I can't imagine what it's like for Abraham to take this little boy, Ishmael, on his lap and say, Ishmael, I love you. Daddy loves you. Mommy loves you. And this is the last time, Ishmael, that I'm going to hold you because Daddy has to send you and Mommy away. And I'll never see you again. The misery that this text talks about. Oh, my. Do you realize that the crisis in this family is still going on today between the descendants of these two boys. We are paying, literally and emotionally and with war, for the crisis between these two boys still to this day. And Abraham must say to Sarah, you have to leave. You have to go. And what is so amazing about this baby announcement, even though Ishmael was not the son of the promise, God loved Ishmael. And God loves Hagar. Now, this misery, I want you to understand this. As Abraham told Hagar she had to leave and Ishmael, she became a throwaway wife. She was rejected. She was thrown away. You can't be part of my family. And there are single parents today, some maybe right in this church, who have felt rejected and thrown away by the church or by God. And the story of this baby announcement is this fact. There are no throwaway people in God's eyes. There are no rejects, even though Sarah and Abraham couldn't have children and Abraham tried to help God fulfill the promise. And that was not the way God wanted it. There is no son or daughter of Ishmael that ever has to be eternally lost. There are no throwaways in God's family. There are no rejects. Any of us may be a surprise to our parent, but we are not surprises to God. He loves us and he cares about us. 
so Ishmael. Now, Abraham and Hagar didn't send out a baby announcement, but God sent one out. Fill in the blank. Four of them for this. Angels have delivered baby announcements. Isn't that amazing? The Lord God came and talked to Abraham and Sarah. When Hagar got pregnant, an angel came to Hagar and gave a baby announcement. God has foreknowledge of things that will happen. That foreknowledge does not make things happen. God doesn't predestine things to happen, but he knows what will happen in our lives. Number three lesson from this story. Oh my, God sometimes names children. Isn't that amazing? This last statement I put here, fill in the blank, I think is very significant. God hears the cries of insignificant people. Now, wait a second. I want to tell you, there are no, absolutely no, insignificant people in God's eyes. But in Abraham's family, Hagar was a disposable wife, insignificant. Ishmael, you gotta go. Hagar, you gotta go. There are no insignificant people ever born on this planet that God does not love. And he hears the cries of people who feel damned, rejected, and thrown away. If you ever feel that way, then I want you to pay attention to Hagar's story. God gave her a baby announcement. He loved her. He cared for her. It would have been very easy for her to die out there alone and Ishmael to die. But God made sure that this lady lived and that that little boy had more descendants than anyone could count. God has a way of taking what is impossible and turning it into an opportunity. Our human impossibilities are God's opportunities to reveal the power of his love to save us and to change the course of events. That baby announcement proves it. So this text, what seems impossible for us is possible for God. And I don't know your situation and I don't need to go into mine, but there are times in our lives when, humanly speaking, the events that we are dealing with seem absolutely impossible to get better. Please understand that. There are things that happen in your life and mine where we believe that there is nothing that could ever happen that could make anything good out of this. 
And sometimes it feels like our prayers don't go anywhere, that God must be dead or he's deaf, but God is able to take our impossibilities and change them into his opportunities to teach us lessons. It may seem impossible, but with God, he can fix it. So we come to baby announcement number two, the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. This baby announcement, it is very important because this son is going to be the son that is the fulfillment of the promise that Abraham, your son, but there was two, will be greater. Your descendants will be greater than the stars in number. And think about the sands of the sea, Genesis 22, 17. You will have more descendants than the sands of the sea. Amazing. So, this statement that you're going to read, we've already talked about, but this is Genesis 18. The Lord comes and he visits Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah is eavesdropping there in the tent. And she hears the Lord God say, you're going to have a son. And she laughs about it. And then God says, why did you laugh? And, la and Sarah lies and says, I didn't laugh. Yes, her laughter and his laughter eventually would be that they would have a son of the promise because God's baby announcements, his promises never, 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 never fail. Never fail. And the problem with us, God's people, is the same problem that Abraham had and the leaders of Israel during Jesus' birth, that we don't believe God's promises, we ignore his announcements. But yet, here we are at the Christmas season, and, and we don't doubt the birth of Jesus. And we can read the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we how that happened. But the announcement that the announcements that are yet in the future, the question is for myself and for you, will you believe God's announcements and pay attention to them? That is a crucial piece. Here's a fill in the blank right here. This baby announcement. God said, Sarah, you will bear, fill an announcement, bear. You will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. Listen to this. The question that we must bring to this text this passage of scripture, this baby announcement is 
important for this everlasting covenant. The question it must be, listen to me, pay attention to this. God said that your son would have descendants greater than the stars of heaven, more than the sands of the sea, and the question is, who? W-H-O, who? Who is a descendant today of Abraham? Abraham's descendants would be greater in number than you could ever count. Who is a descendant? Well, we could say, well, only the Jews are. Put this down in your head or write it down in your fill-in-the-blank sheet because I didn't put it there because I wanted you to write it down. Put down Galatians 3.29. The promise was, Abraham, the son that I'm announcing will have descendants greater than the sands of the sea. Who is a descendant of Abraham today? Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ, if you are Christ, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed, heirs of the promise. This baby announcement to Abraham and to Sarah, Paul picks up in Galatians 3.29 and says, the descendants of Abraham today are the individuals who have a relationship with Jesus and they the men and women that have a relationship with Jesus are heirs of the promise. I can't scream this loud enough, so I'll try and be calm and not scream. The descendants of the promise today, today are you and I. We are heirs of the promise, the everlasting covenant. And are you going to believe that promise? Or are you going to believe Satan who says to you, you are too bad, you're not good enough. Satan does not want you to believe the promise in this baby announcement that the promise was an everlasting covenant. And Paul helps us understand that everlasting covenant that it applies to all people, all descendants, listen, all descendants of Ishmael, male or female, all descendants of Isaac, male or female, not just the Jews, the Gentiles as well, are heirs of the promise. Amazing. Genesis 17. What a promise. So, fill in the blanks. Take it out here. Let's look at this. What are these fill in the blanks? Number one, God can take care of the fertilization issue. 
There are some women who find it almost impossible, even after spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to have a child that can't get pregnant. And I'm not telling you, and the Bible's not telling you, that every woman who has difficulty getting pregnant can get pregnant. Yes, they can. But not every woman will get pregnant. And we still have to trust God in that situation. I know what I'm talking about because I have a son and a daughter-in-law who have spent thousands of dollars trying to have another child. Thousands of dollars. God can still help in that process. God has a plan for each person's life. And even though a person may be a surprise birth to a parent, God has no surprises. Every child is planned, and God knows about their birth. He may not have named that child, but is a plan for that child, and that child's future is eternal life. With God's blessing, this can go only this way. Every child can change the course of history for good without God's blessing, without a relationship with Jesus. Every child will be a curse on this planet. So, children have a choice. Parents have a choice. We have a choice in coming alongside parents. That's why we have Christian schools. That's why we do Sabbath school. That's why we try and help parents provide an envi environment where their children can know about Jesus. Yes. Birth announcement number three. This little boy became king at the age of eight the youngest king in Israel ever to be king was this little boy. There's things about this little boy that are absolutely amazing as a birth announcement by God. Before I add more details, let me tell you, we think of David as a man after God's own heart. That's what it says. David was a wicked man, a murderer. This boy stands head and shoulders above David when it comes to following Jesus. We say that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. Let me tell you, let me correct that. This boy exceeds the wisdom of Solomon. You'll see that in his life. How is it that an eight-year-old boy can be the king of a nation and be the epitome of righteousness and fidelity to God? The Bible answers that question. So let's look at his baby announcement this text first. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He ruled in Jerusalem for, 39, for, for 31 years. Altogether then, he would have been 39 at the end of those years. He did right in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't go to the left or to the right. He followed God explicitly. He helped rebuild the temple. And he was more righteous, more faithful to God. There was never a king before him or after him that followed God more closely than did King Josiah. How is it that this little boy could be that way when you consider that his grandfather, Manasseh, was the wickedest king that ever reigned. Manasseh had a thousand babies. And what did he do with those babies? He offered them as human sacrifices. He built idols and worshipped idols. So here is a boy whose grandfather is the epitome of wickedness. And here is a little boy who is the epitome of a faithful relationship with God. How is it? See, many times we can say, well, you know, I can't help it. This is how my grandpa was. This is how my parents were. You can't use that as an excuse. So let's look at this statement. This is the baby announcement. It starts out like this. He cried out against the altar. Altar! Altar! Here's the baby announcement. Altar! Altar! What about this altar? This is what the Lord says. What does he say? A son named Josiah will be born, fill in the blank, to the house of David. On these altars, he will burn the bones of the priests who offered incense on them. Manasseh built these altars. Manasseh is his great-grandpa. Manasseh is the wickedest king Israel ever knew. He offered over a thousand human sacrifices on these altars. So when God gives this baby announcement, he's saying, pay attention to these altars. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a baby born. His name is going to be Josiah. He's going to be the lineage of David. This little baby is a direct line to Jesus. So is Manasseh. So is David. So is Abraham. And what does this little boy do? He goes and tears down all of the altars that his grandpa built. And he restores the temple. Oh, it's amazing. In his eighth year, 
but it would be true in his first year as well. But it's specific here in this text that he begins to seek the Lord and follow the Lord. This little boy grows spiritually. What else happens? According to the Bible, he destroys. He tears down all these idol places and these altars. What else does he do? Many things that he does. When he is in his 18th year, he rebuilds the temple and they discover the law of God and the only way that Josiah could go down in history as the righteous man that he was was because he believed the promises and announcements of Scripture. Scripture became his foundation that would help him through the trials of life. And you and I will fail if we don't let the announcements and the promises of God give us a strong foundation. Josiah knew that and understood it. And that became the basis for his values and his fidelity to God. He put this treasure chest by the temple and invited people to come and bring their offerings. Josiah understood the importance of worship. I want you to hear this. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God realized, and so did Josiah, that if they were going to maintain this revival and this spiritual renewal, yes, we're going to have 10 days of prayer. We need also to have all the rest of the years of our life of prayer in claiming the promise and believing the announcements. And we need to worship together and return his tithes and our offerings. Fill in the blanks then. Regardless of age, take it out, regardless of age, God will help a person do what? Surrender their life and become a powerful and great blessing. I want you to understand, you cannot on your own surrender your life to God. That's an impossibility because our natural bent is toward evil. We have a broken spiritual foundation and the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us surrender and I say to you every morning every morning make it your celebration to come to Jesus and say Jesus I ask for the Holy Spirit to help me surrender my life and I thank you for doing that. Claim the promises. He will write his law in your hearts. He will change your brain chemistry 
that you enjoy being a son or a daughter of God. Fill in the blank number two. Young King Josiah made the choice to study the scriptures in order to know the will of God. This baby announcement for this boy could only turn out positive because he surrendered his life to Jesus and he used the promises and announcement of scripture as his foundation. Baby announcement number four. This baby announcement is more crucial for you and I as we sit in this church today than it was when it was given 2,000 years ago. This baby announcement is about John the Baptist. Why is that announcement more important today for you and I than it was when it was given? Because John the Baptist was a forerunner to announce the first advent of Jesus. Prepare the way for Jesus. John the Baptist's message is our message. We must be a forerunner to announce the second advent. Oh, we can, we can sit here and read the baby announcement to Zechariah and his family and say, well, that's great news. John the Baptist had a goal in life given by God to take the message of the first advent to call attention to all the people about Jesus and who he was. We, as God's people, are given the same baby announcement message that we are to take the message of the second advent to the world. That is more crucial and more important today than it's ever been. The problem is the people during Jesus' time, the religious leaders, the church people, ignored the baby announcements and were not prepared for the first advent. And I say, God called me to be a pastor, and I say, Lord, help me, help me not to be like the leaders of ancient Israel and not tell the message about the second advent that is more crucial today than it was when this Bayesian announcement was given. Fill in the blanks. Here's what the Bible says. The angel said to him, to Zechariah, says to this daddy, this priest, huh, don't be afraid. The angel could say that to him a thousand times and he's still terrified. He is so terrified, he's not going to believe it. Even though the angel is there talking to him, he will not believe it. Zechariah, your prayer's been answered. Oh, really? Well, I don't think so. But your prayer has been answered. Your wife, fill in the blank, wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. 
because he didn't believe it, he could not speak until that baby was born. I want you to get this correlation and this symbolism. Because God's people today will not speak and pronounce clearly the second advent. They will be silenced permanently, permanently, and will not be saved. We are to be the John the Baptist today to announce the second coming of Christ and to prepare for it. The leaders during John the Baptist's time, the leaders at the birth of Jesus would not announce it. And they were silenced. I don't want to be silenced, and you must not either. This birth announcement has direct bearing on our lives today. So, a little history about John the Baptist. He went into the wilderness and he preached and he came to the Jordan River and he announced, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The message, the announcement that's given to God's people today we're to go into all the world and preach, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Our commission is the same as John the Baptist. A voice crying in the wilderness, a voice crying in Boulder, a voice crying in America, a voice crying in the world. I was with a gentleman yesterday who was telling me about the 18,000 people that were recently baptized because of Adventist World Radio. 18,000. We have a message to take to the world, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. We have a commission. Yes, we'll tell about the first miracle baby Jesus that was given here to save the world. But we must give also the announcement about Jesus' second advent. Jesus said of John the Baptist that there has never been any prophet like John the Baptist. I want God to say of us, so I'll make it very personal, there has never been a church that has proclaimed the one project stronger than this church. That proclamation must include the announcement about his soon return. This baptism, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus and said, this is my beloved son. I say to you, that same announcement can be given to this church. Boulder has given the message. And God would say, and can say, this is my beloved sons and daughters. Well done. That's what we want. 
John the Baptist. Oh my, he went and talked to Herod and got after Herod for his infidelity. And what has happened as a result of that? Oh, it's hard on a person's head. John the Baptist was beheaded. If we take the gospel message to the world, people will reject it. We may lose our lives, but the promise is <laughs> eternal life. These baby announcements are more crucial today than they were when they were given. This baby announcement, Zachariah and Elizabeth, see, they, they, they never put together a baby announcement. We put together graduation announcements. We can do wedding announcements. We can do change of address, change of job announcements. We even sometimes change our email address and we send out notices. We still give announcements. The angel said his name would be John. Fill in the blanks here. God hears and answers prayer. Even though Zechariah didn't believe it, God still answered his prayer. Older women, sometimes women of any age, past or unable to bear children, can give birth. Because God is always in the business of changing the impossible to an opportunity for him to give us blessings. What is impossible for us is an opportunity for God to work a miracle. We have to hurry. Let's go to announcement number five quickly. This greatest gift, Jesus, is our assurance of salvation that all the promises of God are fulfilled in him. That baby announcement changed the course of this world. The next announcement that Jesus gives is more crucial because it ends up that people that don't pay attention to this announcement that is coming are eternally lost. So this baby announcement, the announcement that came at Christmas time. Fill in the blanks. The Lord said through a prophet, a virgin will conceive and bear, give birth to a son. Mary, how did this happen? Well, God got me pregnant. <laughs> and they will call his name Emmanuel. In verse 21, his name will be Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Listen to this. Pay attention to this. This announcement about Jesus and his birth goes back as far as Genesis to Adam and Eve. They were told about a Savior coming. 
This baby announcement is tucked into the prophecies of Scripture. There was no excuse for people in Jesus' day not to know about this. But they buried their head as it was in the sand. God gave this baby announcement to the angels to take to the shepherds. That baby announcement should have been shouted by all the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Even though they didn't know the exact day of his birth, they should have been preparing all the inhabitants of Palestine and the Gentiles and all of Rome for the birth of the Messiah. It was given to the angels by, by way of, of the star. And from that, the Magi, those three wise men, they took the message to Herod and the Jewish leaders, and the Jewish leaders would not pay attention to it. They were too proud. And I say to myself, Al Williams, you pastor, are you going to pay attention to God's announcements? I want to. Jesus will help me and help you. It was given to us in the promises of Scripture, and we sing about it, we hear the songs. There is no excuse for one of us to be ignorant of God's announcements and his promises. For unto us the Son is given. The announcements about Jesus are clear in Scripture. Now, we have to move on. I gave you in your handout, the bottom of this page, some questions to ponder. I'm not going to take time to go through those. I would love to stand here with you and come down there and have us discuss these points to ponder. Each one of them, I think, is important for you to pay attention to. Did God know about your birth, and did he plan it? That's a yes and no. Yes, he knew about it, and he planned it. Now, get a hold of this. There is a warning. You have heard about five baby announcements, but there is this crucial warning, and I say read the fine print. Depending on your Bible, you can have big type or little type. There are some Bibles I can't read anymore because I can't read the fine print. So I got to have glasses. Read the print. There is announcement six and seven. There's more than five. Announcement number six. Pay attention to it. Hmm. You don't know the day or the hour of Jesus' return. In the five baby announcements, and especially the last one, the Jewish people did not know the day or the exact hour that Jesus would be born. 
But he did come and he was born. We don't know, Matthew 24, the day or the hour of Christ's second coming. Announcement number seven. Announcement number seven. What could it be? This same Jesus is coming again. This announcement must go to the world. And it's important that we should not be afraid like Zechariah. And that announcement is put together in what is called the everlasting gospel that must go to the world in Revelation 14. And I say to you, Boulder Church, and I say to the Boulder pastors, and I say to the Boulder members, are you going to wimp out and be afraid to take the most important announcement that God has ever given to this world? Are you going to sit in the pews or stand up here in the rostrum and be silent? That is your choice. I'm going to tell you, I am not going to be silent. Jesus is coming again. And we have a message to take to the world. That message of the sixth and seventh announcement that I'm calling here was given by Jesus and his father. And in the book of Revelation, it says this. Let the person that has ears hear what the Spirit says. <laughs>